Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Recorded live. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Um, my name is Lou Lombardi, a.k.a. Ludini. And uh, we have another great interview for you guys today. Today, I've got Jesse Colin Young on the line. And if that name sounds familiar, yes, it is the Jesse Colin Young the, of the uh, Young Bloods, the, the, the big hit that, uh, you know, just kind of... <laughs> went around the world. It's, you know, a classic now called Get Together. And we're going to go ahead and uh, revisit that a little bit later on in the podcast. But I'm really excited to have uh, Jesse uh, on the line with us today, um, all the way uh, from uh, 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 North Carolina, South Carolina. So did you say <laughs> North Carolina? Are you south be, or north? It could be either one. I'm in South Carolina right now, but we do South Carolina. I guess I thought South Carolina. Yeah. So anyway, so Je- Jesse's going to be t- uh, talking with us. Now that we know where he is, uh, we can get in, we'll, we'll get into deeper uh, subjects here in a second. But before we get with the Jesse, I just want to go ahead and thank my sponsor real quick, Positively Pittsburgh Live Magazine. That is pplmag.com. It's Pittsburgh's first uh, internet, radio, TV network, online community. Um, there's a lot of great uh, content there on a wide variety of subjects by a lot of different experts. You definitely want to check it out. They've also been a big supporter of the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus for uh, going on three years now, helping us get uh, the, the word out about these amazing artists out there that uh, really deserve to be heard. Um, that is pplmag.com, positively Pittsburgh Live. All right, as I was saying, we've got Jesse uh, Colin Young on the line, and uh, you guys all uh, are familiar with the, the amazing song, uh, Get Together, just beautiful uh, uh, piece of music. Um, and uh, there are, if you go to uh, YouTube, there's a lot of great performances over the years and different videos that people have made in tribute to this song. This is a beautiful song. So, uh, But Jesse has done, has had a, 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 a pretty heavy-duty career. He's done a lot of different things. And he's got a new eight-piece band with the Berkeley College of Music uh, graduates and all kind of cool stuff going on. So, Jesse, welcome to the circus. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, Lou. I'm resting up. Uh, we're headed uh, two days now out to South by Southwest, so I'm trying to get a little shut eye and sunshine <laughs> before I have to go go back to work. What's now? Now, what are you going to be doing out South by Southwest? Is it, are you doing? Because I have actually not been to that. It, are you going to be doing like a series of performances, or do you do? You, are there like different stages? Like, how does it typically work when you go out there? Well. For us, it's working. Um, I played with the band one night, and then um, I'm playing a show that is a retrospective um, of singers who were in the village uh, between 1960 and 65, which, in fact, I was. Um, mostly, though, it will be younger people, I think, singing the songs of Tim Harden, Fred Neal, Richie Havens, um, John Sebastian, all those people who were there uh, in the village at that time. Um, so, so let's so, so so you brought it up. So let's 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 go back. How did you get 
because uh, this is always a fascinating subject to me. How did you get bit by the music bug? How did you go like you picked up that guitar or whatever? What happened and you went like, yeah, this is it. This is what I. <laughs> this is my calling. Uh, what? How did that? How did that happen for you? Um, I got sent away to school. Uh, we moved. My dad moved jobs, and the high school wasn't too good. And he suggested I go to prep school. So off I went the next year to Phillips Andover, which is in Massachusetts. Freezing as cold. And um, <laughs> no no women in sight. You know, it was still a, a very monastic, single-sex kind of school thing. Yeah. So um, they put me in that kind of monastic setting, and then they offered me a, a course uh, in classical guitar. Um which I'd never played, and um, that was it. It just lit my fire, and my uh, it turns out my roommate was taking guitar, and pretty soon we were singing Everly Brothers songs, and it just... Uh, and then I made my first recording up there of an Elvis tune trying to get to you. They had this machine that actually, you know, had a mic hooked to it and cut a 78 record. And, oh, know, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it, you know, and this, uh, probably most of that happened before I hit my 16th birthday, so. Um, oh, yes, geez, so you was, already got into it early. Okay, cool, yeah. Yep, yeah, when it bites you, um, I mean, it but usually it bites pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't like go. So so let's, let's, let's skip forward a little bit. How do you get to the village and tell us a little bit about um, about that situation, the, some of the people you met, some of the cool experiences you had? Um, I got to the village. I went to Ohio State. I got I got kicked out of Andover for playing the guitar during study hours. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up at Ohio State. You rebel. <laughs> yeah, living behind a record store. And... Uh, I discovered the blues, uh, um, T-Bone Walker. Uh, I, I saw this album, and this guy had this guitar behind his head, and I wondered, what the hell's going on? Um, what's he doing? And so I bought... Actually, I didn't buy the record. I took it home and taped it. Um, no shrink wrap in those days. And uh, I was a poor student, and the record... Uh, uh, the guy who owned the store knew I was a, a musician. So he said... Just be careful with them. Play them once and tape them, and then bring them back, and we'll just stick them back in the bin. So, <laughs> so this is the way I was introduced to Ray Charles, to T Bone Walker, to BB King. Um, never having heard roots blues, you know, I grew up on Long Island. Uh, no blues stations in Long Island. So, at that time, so uh, I was there for about a year. Um, in and out. Um, I read Jack Kerouac's On the Road, so I had to, I had to uh, hitchhike to Florida in the winter with my guitar and do this and that, and then went back to school a little. And eventually, I transferred to NYU because um, I just felt in Ohio I was a little too far out of what was going on. And so there I am, my first apartment on uh, St. Mark's Place about, you know, three blocks from Greenwich Village. I had no 
idea what was going on in the village at that time. So, but NYU's buildings are uh, at least the ones I attended are right on Washington Square. So I learned pretty quickly that there was quite a scene going on. And eventually, after about a year, I dropped out of school. I started playing the basket houses. Um, and um, starving. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then through uh, a family friend, I... Um, I met a man named Bobby Scott, who was a marvelous uh, musician. And um, he was working for Bobby Darren at the time. Darren had a publishing company and an independent production company. And um, I had been writing ever since prep school. So I played some of my songs for Bobby Scott. He loved them. Um, and uh, we went in one night to A&R Studios in Manhattan. And uh, he just said, sit over here, kid, and play everything you know. And four hours later, uh, I had my first record called Soul of the City Boy. It came out on Capitol uh, about a year later. And then, you know, I played my first gig at the Club 47. And I ping-ponged back and forth between the village and um, Cambridge. And the Cambridge-Boston scene was actually more vibrant in the folk days than the village mm. was. It was less... It was less commercial. You know, there's a lot of tourist traps in the village, um, along with cool places to play music. And uh, in Cambridge, it, there must have been three, four, five times as many clubs to play that were all like genuine music clubs, not uh, not $10 for a cup of coffee kind of uh, uh, clubs. Yeah, of course. So there I was, right in the middle of it. I mean, it just happened. And uh, I was lucky to have a friend in the family. Um, I always yeah. tell the young people I'm working with and my kids, uh, a lot of whom are in music, you know, keep your eyes open. You never know where and how that break is going to come that turns your career. And it may come from the strangest. Mine came from my brother-in-law whom I hardly knew, and what I knew of him I didn't even like. Um, uh, <laughs> but he was a CBS newsman, and somehow through those connections, I was able to meet Bobby Scott, and and Bobby, being a, uh, a jazz musician, said, got to have a record, man. If you want to work, got to have a record. We need to make a record. Boom. He just made it happen, paid for it out of his own pocket. You know, probably cost... At that point, maybe two hundred and forty dollars or something. Yeah, yeah, it was a different <laughs> world. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, so, how did you get? So, how eventually did you get hooked up with um, Jerry and Lowell and the guys in um, the Youngbloods? How, how did? How, and then what? That is really your band, though, right? I mean, I'm assuming because the name Young Youngbloods. Yes, I. I mean, originally it was a backup band, and then we felt that everybody was doing the uh, the band thing in those days, and so we tried it also. But in the beginning, I met Corbett, um, uh, and be, we became friends in a very strange way. I was at the Forty Seven, I think, doing a sound check, which is right in Harvard Square, and. Uh, 
I got this message, and it was from Jerry, who I'd met a couple times. It said, don't go back to Ed Freeman's house. And that is where I'd been staying. He was uh, had the same manager in New York that I did. Um, so I didn't go back. I mean, it turned out that he had been busted for pot or something like that. Uh, yeah. And the cops were there. So I went mm-hmm. to Jerry's instead. And then that was where I stayed when I came to Cambridge. And we began to play together on the back porch and talk about the bands we'd had at high school and and he, beautiful, that beautiful baritone voice of his just sat right underneath my my tenor, and um, he plays harmonica and twelve string, and he started coming to my gigs, and you know, then we decided to become kind of a duo, so yeah. we did, and and he he knew Banana. Uh, and Banana lived, you know, a couple blocks away in, in Cambridge. And uh, so pretty soon we had, <laughs> and uh, this jazz drummer had moved upstairs from Banana. Not a lot of drummers in the folk scene. Um, so we just kind of fell into um, being the Youngbloods. And a fellow named Jim Mayers, who was a friend of Jerry's, who was kind of a what was called in those days a parlor guitarist, which means he, you know, played in living rooms. He was not a, a performing professionally. Okay, but, parlor guitarist, okay. Yeah, so Jim Jim was a friend, and I thought, well, we could have a bass player, and we couldn't find a bass player. And uh, I said, well, J- Jim, here, just let me, let me teach you this. I mean, the, these four strings are the same as the four strings on the bottom of the guitar. They're just two octaves down. And um, or maybe it's three. I don't really know. And <laughs> so you know what the what the tonic note of each chord is, what a G chord and a C chord and so on and so forth. So you just you know play that tonic note or that uh, of each chord. Um, so he played with us for the first year, um, and then I decided. We needed a better bass player, but we couldn't. We couldn't get Felix Papalardi to join the band. We couldn't get Harvey Brooks. We couldn't get like a really good bass player. So I said, you know, screw. If McCartney can do this, I can do this. <laughs> you know, I'm sure he started it not as a bass player, but um, and I don't know that, but I imagine because he plays piano and guitar, he's yeah. I'm pretty sure he starts as a guitar player. Yeah, yeah. So I just dove into it. I went to the Gale factory. I had a deal with them. Uh, and um, they gave me a Starfire, or they sold me, you know, for um, wholesale, a Starfire bass, beautiful cherry yeah. finish, kind of semi-hollow body. And that was the bass I recorded Youngblood, uh, I mean, get together with. The first, I think the first two Youngblood records, yeah. Um, the song, uh, get together is, um, absolutely, you know, as we've stated at the beginning of the podcast is, you know, one of those iconic things, one of the iconic songs from that era. And, um, we're going to go ahead and give everybody a listen, but there, I, who wrote that song? Because 
I I was looking at your website, and then Wikipedia has somebody else as a writer on that. Now, before we play the song, let's clear that up. Who wrote the song, and how did you guys end up doing it? It was written by Dino Valenti. Um, Mm -hmm. He was a village folk singer. He was there there, uh, for a couple, three years before me, uh, before I came uh, to the village. And then he left for the West Coast, but he was kind of a, he had a following, and he left that song in the village, and all the village folk singers sang it. I didn't. Uh, um, so I walked into the Cafe Agoga one afternoon, uh, thinking that it might be dark and that we could rehearse there. The Youngbloods played there for about a year, and we opened for, uh, you know, every act that he had. Um, marvelous! I get to open for Muddy Waters, and a uh, big Muddy Waters fan. Um, and it was not dark. They were having a uh, an open mic, and a fellow, fellow named Buzz Lindhart was singing "Get Together." Um, a little hard to figure out the chords because he was a lefty, and I think he might have been playing the guitar upside down, you know, rather than having it restrung. Right? Yeah, I know. I was. These guys can do that. It's crazy, but right? Yeah. And I had seen him. I'd seen him playing vibes with Tim Harden at the Night Owl. But I didn't know he was a singer, and there he was. He was singing Get Together, and uh, I ran back in the dressing room and said, uh, hey, man, uh, I'm Jesse Young, and I'm in the Youngbloods, and uh, you you have to write those lyrics for me. You know, that's the most beautiful song I ever heard. i got to sing it. So I took it into rehearsal the next day with the Youngbloods, and, and the rest is history. Yeah, it's like falling in love with the right woman. Uh, you know, it happens fast, it happens hard, and um, <laughs> boom, there it is, part of your life. And there it is, I part knew, of your life. I knew somehow that get-together would be, was a pivot point for my life, and it turned out to be. I, I think it's the whole vibe, um, you know, that you guys brought to it um, with the you know, electrifying it, you know, not in a like a hard rock sense, but you know, enough. And the the harmonies that that you that you guys had, and the whole, you know, and then the time and place, you know, we were all ready for it. You know, we, you know, it was just ready to be, and you guys were able to to bring it out. Um, let's go ahead and revisit that song. I'm gonna go ahead and play it for everybody. Um, uh, just guys, chill out, relax. This one this is an absolutely beautiful song. Get together, Jesse Colin Young and the Young Bloods on the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. All right, great song, and thank you for being a part, man, of like my uh, my my musical like upbringing and everything. I mean, that was a really important song. So thank you guys for for doing that, man. Oh, <laughs> like, I want to move on because you've done yeah. other stuff. So <laughs> let's get let's get up let's get up to speed. Uh, because, you know, uh, the Youngbloods, uh, you know, finished up and then reunited and you did solo records. And let's talk about what is happening more currently now um, with what you're doing um, here uh, with, with, with music. You've got a new band. You've got, you, I mean, you're, 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 you're kicking ass here. So let's, let's, <laughs> let's get into it. What, what, what? <laughs> you had a little setback, though, right, with Lyme disease or something, right? You want to talk about that for a second? Sure. Um, I think I've had Lyme disease probably 20 years, maybe 25. Yeah. Most of that undiagnosed. 
and it it is a it's a wicked disease. Um, I think we're in the midst of a pandemic uh, in the United States and maybe in the Western world, but um, most of the most like myself, most people, the millions who have this are undiagnosed um, because they're starting to discover that fleas and mosquitoes, not only ticks, but um, carry Lyme's disease. Um, I probably got it back in Point Reyes when we, the Youngbloods moved to about 30 miles north of San Francisco in 1967. And that was the first time Get Together came out. It was a big hit in San Francisco but um, and Seattle, but not in the rest of the country. But we could work in San Francisco, and we moved out there from the Lower East Side into this gorgeous countryside. And I was in the woods, you know, every other day, mm. uh, either walking or riding my motorcycle. With, and... Um, so for a long time, I just thought maybe I was uh, going crazy because it has a lot of mental effects on you, some of them somewhat like bipolar um, mm. when it gets really bad. And uh, there were times that, you know, I remember uh, spending hours walking up and down the driveway in the middle of the night. I couldn't sleep. It, it does all kinds of things. It interferes with your sleep pattern causes all kinds of, uh, I mean, some people end up in wheelchairs. I am lucky that it never um, got me that way, but it made me, it made me crazy. And um, I think if I had not been married to such a strong woman as, uh, as Connie, um, you know, the family would have come apart because, you know, I, I lost my mind. So we moved uh, from Hawaii to the west coast in 2000, uh, to the east coast in 2006, and um, through another family friend, um, I met uh, Dr. Richard Horowitz, who's been treating me since then, and uh, made a huge difference. There is no way. Um, so I'm in a kind of a. Uh, what is it called when a disease recedes? Recession or something. I don't know. But <laughs> it is, uh, this is the best I've been probably in 20 years, the healthiest I've been. Good. And, glad, uh, to hear, glad to hear that. So I guess uh, I was ready without knowing it. Um, last spring, I went to hear my son's um, Berkeley College of Music recital, his senior recital. He was getting ready to graduate. And these young musicians that were playing with him just blew me away. And I started to think, wow, uh, I wonder what that would sound like if they were playing my music. Oh. Um, and then I got an invite to South by Southwest, and I thought, well, let's put a band together. So my son Tristan said, well, Dad, I know, you know, I know lots of guys. Let's, you know, I'll bring them to you, and you try them out, and pick them out, and... Um, We'll do it. And uh, so over this last fall, um, starting with the drummer, T, uh, my son T, or Tristan's a bass player. So first thing we needed was a drummer, and his favorite drummer, Donnie Hogue, who lives down here in Atlanta, pretty close to me. 
we found him first, and then we brought a keyboard player, uh, Jen Wong, and uh, and then we spent another month finding a sax player and a lead guitar player, and then eventually two gals to sing harmonies. And uh, it's a big band, <laughs> and it, it's it's incredible. Their energy, um, I can barely keep up with them. <laughs> I, I, I just want to jump in here and let everybody know that if you guys go to Jesse's um, YouTube channel, there are several videos, very recent videos uh, of them performing, and it is a dynamite band. I mean, this is what they are musicians, musicians kind of guys. I mean, just, it's a great band, and it's really great to hear you playing with, uh, with, with, with a band like that. I mean, it, it sounds really good. Every, they complement what you do very, very well. Um, so yeah. I'm excited to see. So, so what are you guys going to do? Are you going? You're going to do? Are you got some new material in the works? Are you guys going to eventually do a record? Yeah, I think I've got about eight new songs. Um, they're not all worked up with the band because we needed to work on a show. Yeah. Um, for South by Southwest, because that's really a. You know, they run you in and out of there like cattle into a, <laughs> you know, a feed shed. I, <laughs> it's <clears throat> so. And a show that would work in a club. So we just we decided to play six dates on the three of the weekends in February in New England, which proved to be quite a challenge. Uh, but beautiful audiences, most of them sold out. Um, I've been off the road for six years. So, um, but thanks to my wife Connie, we've been working a lot with social media and. Uh, doing videos at home when I was not strong enough to travel. And uh, a bunch of those are on my YouTube channel, just acoustic videos of new songs that I would write. And I don't know. I kind of got lost. Where was I? What was I doing? <laughs> well, you've got a new band. You, you guys are, <laughs> so you, you think you're going to record uh, a new a new record then? Um, yes, we are. I, I looked okay. at it, yeah, three days ago. I, I counted eight songs, you know. I only need to write three or four more. Yeah. Um, and I, I've done a little, some co-writing with Connie actually recently that's been very successful. One of our most popular tunes is called Cast a Stone in the Water. It's a new song that we do in the band. And it was inspired by things that happened during the Boston bombing because these Berkeley kids were all very close, three or four mm. blocks away. And um, so all, you know, that's it started with Connie and I not being able to get in touch with our son, T. Yeah. When we knew that a bomb had gone off, but that's all we knew. Um, and uh, I guess he told me later that the police shut the cell phone the cell towers down because they were afraid that more bombs would be triggered. Yeah. Um, yeah. With well, something like that going on. Yeah. So that scared the hell out of hundreds of, of thousands of parents who were, you know, I mean, uh, most times in Boston, there's 250,000 students and we were all trying to reach um, our kids to make sure they were okay. So that uh, Connie and I that wrote a song that begins, that begins there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm really, this is great. I'm so excited that you're uh, doing a new record and you've got um, 
some, <clears throat> excuse the pun, young blood <laughs> in the band now, too. Yes. Uh, but I, there's a couple of things I want to touch on before we, before we wrap, though. You've got so much going on, but I, I want to make sure we get to a couple more things. One of the things I want to talk about is, real quick, is because you mentioned Hawaii. Tell us a little bit about Jesse Colin Young's Morning Sun Coffee. <laughs> yeah. So in um, in 95, <laughs> our house in uh, Marin County, California, right, uh, burned to the ground in a forest fire. And we had this little farm that we had been kind of getting away to when we get sick of the music business and we just want to take a little vacation, we'd go over there. So we had this little house, two bedrooms or one and a half bedrooms or something like that. Um, but, you know, all of a sudden we were homeless. Um, and uh, so we decided to move to Hawaii. We had two young children. Jazzy was, uh, my daughter was one. My son was four. And Connie and I just uh, said, well, we don't have any furniture. So <laughs> we don't have anything. So we bought, we went and bought some clothes because, um, so we and uh, and accept our cars, and then we shipped our cars to Hawaii to this little farm, and there began my my, uh, my new career. Uh, the boy from Queens, um, who knows nothing about plants, becomes a coffee farmer, and uh, only in America. <laughs> yeah, it was really it, for me. It was really good therapy. I was yeah, I was tore up to have that house burned down. I was very attached to that ridge top. You know, I'd written songs about it. Um, I'm kind of a land-based guy. I get attached mm. to a place, and it becomes home, and um, especially for somebody who travels as much as a musician, for me, it's really important to have a home uh, yeah. that I come to and, and live a totally different life than I live on the road. And Hawaii became that, and um, I didn't tour as much. The first year, Connie said, I don't want you to tour at all. We need to get the kids, you know, grounded here. This was a big shock, especially for T, who was four. You know, your house disappears. Uh, you know, it's there one day, and the yeah. next day there's just a bunch of ashes and smoking trees. And, um, yeah, it was traumatic for all of us. Uh, so... Learning to be a coffee farmer was a wonderful, wonderful therapy for me. And uh, it just, you know, we decided early on to go organic. Uh, and uh, because we were growing food also, and, uh, you know, we could see when we were spraying Roundup on the coffee to kill the weeds, we watched it blowing over into our garden and said, that can't be good. You know, right. we don't want to eat that stuff. So, yeah. and now we have what I think is probably one of the best coffees in the world, but there's not very much of it. It's a four-acre uh, crop, so we still farm it. Um, we prune it ourselves every January, we, and then we go in the spring and summer to do some of the other um, work that needs to be done with the crop that's essential, and then we have a man... Uh, our friend Mike Cerrone, who lives there on the farm and handles the all the organization of all the tough labor stuff, the, the yeah. 
incredible weed whacking, you know, that's the way you have to control the weeds. And the weeds in Hawaii just go bananas. Uh, um, in the rainy season, the, the, the grass grows so fast, you can, you, know, you can almost watch it happen. So a lot of work, but um, delicious Very therapeutic. It sounds like it sounds like it was a good shift yeah. for you, you know, that it, was it a, you know, kind of came along at the right time. Yes, it did. You know, I mean, my heart was broken. Yeah. Boy, when, when you lose everything like that, it is. Uh, but then you get to start over. I mean, we went there and we had no stuff. And it was great. And I remember one of my friends said, you got young kids. Here you are. You're going to turn around four years from now. This house is going to be full of stuff. You will, <laughs> you will have yeah. replaced everything. So, <laughs> except for the treasured photographs, and we were able to save some of those. We had built a, a safe room, um, and some of our photographs uh, actually survived. Yeah. So we had, we had some of those precious things, and the rest of it is really you realize when you lose it, it is stuff. And if you have good insurance, you can buy more stuff. And you, um, you get more stuff. <laughs> yes, as, as long as you don't, you know, you don't lose part of your family in a fire. Yeah, that's lose. the most important thing. You yeah. guys are all safe. That's the most important thing. You have your, you have your loved ones around you, and you know, it's a, it's a tragic loss, but it could be, you know, you, you're intact as your family. You know, yeah. And you got to go and it, have this new adventure in Hawaii. You know. Yeah, it was. I had always wanted to live there. I started going there. Let's see, with the young bloods, right in our final days, we went, I think, and played there, maybe in 1970 or something like that. Yeah. And I thought, oh, man, I want to live here. <laughs> so it took a quarter of a century, but in 1995, when the house burned down, that's where we went. That's what happened. Um, uh, there's, you got something else going on this year, I believe, <clears throat> that I want to touch on real quick. Oh. And I, then, I, then I want to, I want you to plug everything. I want you to tell people like how to follow you on the internet, how to get the coffee and everything. But before we sure. wrap up, tell us a little bit about are you re-release. We're re-releasing your catalog, and you're actually are you release, releasing it on vinyl as well? Is that what's going on? If I understand we're, right, we're, we're releasing it on vinyl only. Uh, the CDs oh. are available. I own most of my catalog. I'm, I'm just a lucky guy. I had a great manager. He was my friend from NYU. We went to NYU together. And uh, so, and I was on Warner Brothers and they were the, the best record company that that was ever created. And uh, so my masters after five years came back to me as far as ownership. So we have all the CDs from um, my solo career. I don't own any Youngblood masters but okay. the rest of them the rest of them my career I own so I have uh, one of my solo records uh, that I did called Young Blood which I did the year before we formed the Young Bloods and uh, all my records through my solo career so we sell them on CD but we've never taken on vinyl so Audio Fidelity came along last year somebody told me about them said they were good people and that why don't I re-release the catalog on vinyl? Um, so we started. I think it was last fall that Song for Julie came out. That's always been the most popular of my solo 
records. And I'm hoping soon to follow that um, with Light Shine, with Songbird, with Love on the Wing, with On the Road. Um, that would be the five Warner Brothers albums, which, uh, and there are more um, that I hope we can do too. But Audio Fidelity does a beautiful job of remastering, a beautiful job of bringing the, um, the original photographs and things back into... Oh, nice. Yeah. And um, they use good vinyl. I think they use 10-ounce vinyl. It's just... Um, and we worked hard to get... to bring Song for Julie into the present without, you know, sticking a bunch of digital effects on it or something. Of course. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> you wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, of course. You no. want the original, just want it to sound awesome. <laughs> you know? So great. So that's something else you guys so we can look forward to uh, from which, uh, from Jesse. Jesse, you've got so many things going on, man. And, uh, you, I, I, you know, congratulations on such a wonderful life. You've got the family. You've got the uh, the coffee thing going on. You've got uh, – we're, we're re-releasing the past. We're doing new stuff. I mean – what more could you really? <laughs> what more could you ask for, man? It sounds like you have a, you, you know, you're doing really well, man, and I'm really happy for you. Oh, Congratulations! Thank, thank you so much. I am, I am happy for me too. This came out of the blue, <laughs> and um, I didn't think, you know, when I retired five six years ago from the road, I thought, you know, it's enough, but it was not enough, and. Uh, <laughs> That's Playing. the thing with music. It's never enough. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's maybe that's it. But uh, so so, how does everybody out there in internet land, you know, follow along with what you're doing, keep abreast of, you know, that, and and how do they? How, how, if I wanted to get some of this uh, uh, Jesse Colin Young's Morning Sun coffee, how how tell us how we can get that too? Yeah, the CDs and coffee are all on JesseColinYoung.com website. Um, there's a little store there, um, and the coffee, yeah, and CDs are there. Um, I, I'm pretty active on Facebook. Um, we've built a, a wonderful following over the past three or four years. With uh, especially when I was not touring, this was a this was a focus and a way for me to stay in touch. Um, so. And now we have, you know, sixty thousand people who visit the um, who visit the website and keep track of what we're doing. So as we go along with the band, Connie is with us. She's photographing. She's doing little video snippets and rehearsals, and and of course we've uh, uh, we've been able to we uh, we played Daryl Hall's club. Um, in Upper New York State a couple of weeks ago, and we walked out of there with a, a five-camera video of the show. Um, so we've been. That's where the uh, that's where the two songs on the YouTube channel, the ones that are with the uh, the, the Berkeley band, I'll call them, um, come from. So yes, Facebook is the way to 
Yeah, there's a lot. Hey guys, there's a lot there on Facebook of of Jesse. So it's a really good way to kind of like be like kind of in the moment with everything he has going on. So and that is Facebook.com backslash Jesse Colin Young, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So that's easy for you guys to find. So any closing thoughts, uh, Jesse, before we uh, wrap up for today? I don't know. I'm. I'm it's the fiftieth year of the summer of love. And, uh, you know, the way the country is polarized, it feels a lot like it was in 1967. Um, Mm. So many of the young people pulling against the war, against the government, against the establishment, saying there's got to be a better way. Right. And Get Together became an anthem for that... um, for that dream. And it, it turns out to be a pretty difficult dream. I mean, it's a difficult dream to sustain, it seems, in this world, and especially at this time. So maybe that's what I'm doing back out here again. Um, I have a tendency to sing songs about uh, loving one another and finding peace and getting along with each other. And... Um, if my voice can help my country, which is, then I'm here. Uh, right. I'm here to the death. Um, I don't want to see it torn apart. I hate to see it torn apart like this. Um, and uh, if I can help some, and I know the young people are playing with me. These these 20-sums, they remind me of... Um, the generation I grew up in, in the 60s, but there's, um, they're a lot more clear-headed um, than we were back then. And, and we've got uh, the internet too. I mean, I mean, one of the things I always say, I, I've, I've said to people many times, like, you know, I think that if like Martin Luther King um, and the in the in the in the peace movement would have had the internet. I think we would be living in a completely different world now. And because you can get the things to people so quickly and you can make, get people involved even when they physically can't be there. They can yes. interact and you can unite the entire world now. I mean, there, there were places at that time when you guys were doing this that were kind of dark, like China and Russia. And those countries now, they have entered the 21st century as well. And a lot of people there have the, are echoing the same feelings that we are in the West as well. Um, I actually think it's a really exciting time. Uh, I think that like sometimes when you have these really quote unquote really bad things, sometimes that is the catalyst that gets everybody to go, wait a minute, that we got to do this differently. And we have the tools now that we did not have in the sixties um, yeah. with, 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 the, with the communication. So it could be good, Jesse, you know what I mean? But it's something yes. good things could really be happening. I feel it. Um, and it is, um, and I feel an affinity for the millennial generation. If 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 these young people who are playing with me are any um, representatives of the the generation, then this is a powerful young generation, and that's that's exactly what we need right now. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And they know how to communicate. And boy, do they know how to play music. <laughs> <laughs> there's always 
you know, there's, there's every year, it blows my mind. It's, oh, there's always a new generation of amazing musicians. You know what I mean? Just like, no matter how good you think you are, or how good this guy was, you know, two years from now, some kid comes out of Texas or Columbus, Ohio, or something with a guitar or whatever, and you're going, oh, my God, he's blowing me away, you know? That's yeah. Exciting. That's, all, that's always exciting about music. Um, hey, Jesse, thanks so much, man. You got a couple minutes to hang out. I need, I'm going to wrap up the podcast, and I need to do a little wee bit of business with you before I let you go. You got a, you got a minute? Yep. Okay, cool. All right, thanks so much. Guys, you've been listening uh, to uh, Jesse Colin Young, uh, a man with a lot going on. I mean, just like, it's, just, it's amazing that all that he's done and he's still doing it. It's really uh, inspiring. Uh, I would encourage you to visit jessecollinyoung.com and um, you can get, uh, you can find out all about how you can get the, that great coffee uh, there as well as there's all the jumping off to the social media stuff there. And his Facebook page is very active. So if you like to be kind of in the moment with Jesse and see what's happening kind of daily, it's a great place uh Great place to go, but uh, Jesse is a uh, uh, you know he's he's voice of he says on his website I I can't say it better he's the voice of a generation he's the vo- also the voice of today and uh, we need that we need the peace and the love and I'm glad that he's out there uh, you know uh, ho- ho- uh, holding up that lamp for us uh, you've been listening to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus my name is Lou Lombardi that website is ludinirockandrollcircus.com and one more shout out to my sponsor positively. Pittsburgh Live Magazine, pplmag.com. Go check those guys out. They are absolutely wonderful in what they do as well. Um, guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Um, great talk. I think that Jesse and I uh, could probably continue <laughs> talking for like another hour, like no problem. But uh, in the in the uh, uh, for the sake of brevity, we're going to close for now. But uh, check out his website one more time. That is jessecollinyoung.com. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Thanks to have, thanks to Jesse for being here today, and we'll catch you guys on the next podcast. Uh, hey Jesse, I would like to, if you don't mind, I'd like to record a tag. I'd like to record you saying, "This is Jesse Colin Young, and you are listening to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus." You think you can do that? Sure. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll count. I'll count you in uh, from five. Uh, five, and, and then two and one will be silent, so they can. Splice it. Um, and it's the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Are you ready? The Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. You got it. Here we go. In five, four, three. This is Jesse Colin Young, and you are listening to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, I appreciate that. I'm honored, and uh, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> so I wish you all the, all the best, best, man, you know. Um, I, I'm really excited to, to meet you. So I'm, I'm sorry, I'm digressing into, into like, fan dribble here. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. You're getting the, you're getting the word out, Lou, and thank That's you. That's what me. I do. No problem. Everybody, you have a, you have a nice rest of the day, and uh, um, it takes a couple of weeks or so for us to get these all together. We got a little bit of a backlog, but I will email you guys the second it comes out and um, send you everything so you have it. Okay. Great. Yeah. Then we can tell people about it on Facebook and stuff. Excellent. 
All right, man. You have a great rest of the day. Rest up and go kick ass at South by Southwest. All right, I will. Thanks, Liz. <laughs> take care, buddy. I'll see you later. Yeah, take care. Yeah. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.